is supposed to be the last day of our month of perseverance, isn't it? It's supposed to be our month of perseverance. And I reserved a very special message for you. I don't know whether you're excited, but I want you to be excited before I preach it. Hallelujah. I reserved, I was asking the Lord to give me a special message for you. And um, a special message has been given to you. And this is, message is entitled, preach a little subject I entitled, Persevering Until the Anointing Comes. Persevering until the anointing comes. Hallelujah. I want us to read one scripture in the Bible. Second Kings chapter 2 verse number 10. Second Kings chapter 2 verse number 10. Put it up so we all read it together as a family. Are you there? Are you there? I want us to read it like soldiers. Ready? Go. We're going to read it again. This time I'm going to read verse 9 and you are going to read verse 10. Is that okay? Is that okay? All right. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask what may I do for you before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Verse 10. Hallelujah. But if not, it shall not be so. Hallelujah. So, a story between two people, a senior pastor, a senior prophet, and his protege, they had come a long way together. And as they were go, they had come to this place. It was a crossroads. They were about to part ways. And the Bible says that Elisha asked Elijah that if it is possible, when Elisha, Elijah asked, ask what you will that I do for you before I'm taken away. And he said that if I found favor, let a double portion of the anointing that rests on you, let it come upon me. And Elijah said, you have asked a difficult thing. Hallelujah. It is because the anointing doesn't come easy. Somebody said the anointing doesn't come easy. The anointing is not for people who are walking in the park. Today I was watching, half watching the Olympic Games and somebody had won a medal, and they were very emotional and in tears. And uh, they were asking them, why are you so, why are you emotional? And cry, are you crying because you only got the bronze or what? And he said, I am crying because this is the end of, or this is the culmination of years of hard work. It is, the, it is come the finality 
of years of hard work, early mornings, rising up when it's winter, when it's cold, to run, to, to swim, to, to do exercise, it's, it's been difficult only to get here. And he said, my greatest regret is that my family were not here to witness this great time with me. And as I was watching it, I just said, you know, sometimes we Christians, or maybe because we, when we are observing from far, we just see people who are anointed, operating anointing so easily that we tend to think that it is just easy. You can just catch it easily. Are you with me? You know, football seems easy when you've never kicked the ball before. <laughs> Why has he missed the penalty? Instead of kicking it straight and scoring, he just went to dance and you go and, go and take a ball and let them put half of the thousands of people they had there and let, let your mind be focused on the fact that if you miss this thing, the whole country is going to be on your back. And see whether you'll be able to kick it from here to here. Hallelujah. See, a lot of us, we, 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 we tend to stop fighting between you two, Peter and Joe. Why are you fighting? Okay. Please give Peter a nice pen so they stop fighting. <laughs> I mean, these are full-grown men, and I've been watching them fighting over a pen for a while. <laughs> yeah, take a pen. Okay. Keep it. Keep it. It's yours. It has five colors. So. <laughs> okay. You see, that's what mothers do. They settled a quarrel by giving you, you here, you here. Now there's no fight. <laughs> if I take the pants off him. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I'm excited. I don't know why I'm excited today. But you see, the anointing is not something easy that you can just walk in the park and get. What uh, Elijah was saying to Elisha was that, listen, you have asked for a difficult thing. This is not an easy thing to do. But it doesn't mean it's impossible. Sometimes some people feel that it's so difficult that they write it off. They say it's impossible. And they don't even try to get it. But that's not what Elijah is saying. Elijah is saying that you have asked for a difficult thing. It is possible, but you need perseverance. Hallelujah. You need to go through some things to get it. But before we get there, I want also to say this, that the anointing is very important. As difficult as the anointing is, the anointing is very, very important. In fact, you cannot do much without the anointing. In, in uh, Luke 24, Jesus said something in Luke 24. I want you to look at Luke 24. I think there's 40 or so. Luke 24. He says that you stay around. Luke, Luke 24, verse 48. He says, and you are going to be my witnesses, witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of the Father 
upon you. But wait. Somebody say wait. Wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Hallelujah. He said to them, wait, because he, he says that if you are going to be a witness, you need the anointing. If you are going to be a worshiper, you need the anointing. If you are going to be a prayer warrior, you need the anointing. If you are going to be an usher, you need the prayer, the anointing. If you are going to be a successful Christian, you need to be anointed. Hallelujah. You need, and what is the anointing? What is the anointing? Let's start from there. What is the anointing? The anointing is the presence of God. The, the anointing is the unseen thing that brings the aura of God's presence into your life and into everything you do. The unseen power and aura that comes upon you, uh, around you and on you and in everything that you do. In other words, if you have somebody who is anointed singing, the, anoint, the, the singing will be different from somebody who is not anointed singing. Both of them will be singing the same song. Both of them may have the same quality of voice to sing. But when one is anointed and they sing, they will have an aura, somebody say aura, of the presence of God. If two people are playing the instrument, they are playing the keyboard, and one is anointed, the one who is anointed will bring the presence of God into the place. When the king went mad, when... Uh, King Saul went mad. One of his, uh, his, his servants said that, let us seek for you a man that is skillful in playing the harp and let him play with, because we, we want music. But then he said something that not just anybody, I have seen the son of Jesse, a man who is anointed, a man who, is, who plays and the presence of God descends. Let us go for that man. And bring him to you. And let him play. And when he plays, the spirit that is, the evil spirit on you will be driven away. Hallelujah. So they brought David. And the Bible says that when the evil spirit came upon Saul and David played, that evil spirit left. It was not just any ordinary musician that was brought. Because if you had brought any ordinary musician to play, I can guarantee you that more evil spirits will come. Are you with me? But you need, you need somebody who is anointed. Somebody who is anointed. When a counselor is anointed and they are counseling you, all of a sudden your stress and your, your, your mind that is jumping everywhere will calm down because of the invisible aura that is on the person, that is in, in what the person is doing or around the person. Hallelujah. So the anointing is something that God usually gives upon us. He gives it to us for a purpose. In the Old Testament, you see that anytime anybody was anointed, he was anointed for just nothing. They were anointed to carry a task. So kings were anointed. 
Army generals were anointed. Prophets were anointed. The, the, the priest was anointed. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? So to be anointed also means to set apart. To set apart for the use of God. When you have uh, maybe like crockery, cutlery in the house, and uh, sometimes your parents will pick the, or you pick the nice ones and you put them away. When you get, we get very important visitors, that is what you bring out. So those, those uh, uh, pots and pans and plates and everything have been anointed, they've been set apart to be used on special occasions. Are you with me? So to say that somebody's anointed is to say that the person has been set apart for a specific use. Amen. Oh, I said amen. amen. So the anointing also means to consecrate. To consecrate. In Exodus 28 verse 41, he said, anoint and consecrate them and sanctify them that they may minister unto me in the office of the priest. Hallelujah. So the priests were anointed. They were set apart. They were consecrated for the work of God in God's house. So they were given a certain type of reverence, a certain types of grace that came upon them, which was not upon every ordinary person. Amen. Oh, I said amen. amen. But let's come back to what I was talking about when Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. Now, would you agree with me that this particular thing Elijah said, it goes contrary to what the Bible says in 1 John 2, 20, which says that the anointing is already in you. 1 John 2, 20 says that, but the anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. The anointing, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Let's read the, the Amplified. You have the anointing from the Holy One, and you have been set apart, specially gifted and prepared by the Holy Spirit. And all of you know the truth because he teaches us, illuminates our minds, and guards us from error. Hallelujah. So the anointing is already inside of you. This is what John is saying. Look at verse 27. Verse 27 says, As for you, the anointing, the special gift, the preparation, which is, you have received from him remains permanently in you and you have no need that anyone teach you but just as his anointing teaches you giving you insight through the presence of the Holy Spirit about all things and is true and is not a lie just as his anointing has taught you you must remain in him being rooted in him knit together knit together to know him. Hallelujah. So he, here he's saying that the anointing is already inside of you. So no one needs to teach you anything. Yet Elijah was saying that you have asked for a hard thing. I cannot suggest to you that it is a hard thing because even though it's inside of you, you need somebody to pull it out. Otherwise you can't use it. Otherwise it will not benefit you. There are some people who will sit in the house of God till they die and never ever operate the anointing. A gift is only useful 
when the user of the gift knows how to use it or knows the purpose of the gift. They say that when the use of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. Isn't that true? When you don't know how to use a thing and you don't know what to do with it, you may be anointed and still die and perish without doing anything with it. Hallelujah. So when he says that you have asked a hard thing, I believe that he's saying something that we ought to know. So I am saying to you, I ask all that we need to persevere until we begin to see the anointing operating us. Because the anointing comes with a series of tests. And we'll have to pass the test. Otherwise, we will not see it on us. And if we go back to 2 Kings 2, let's start from the beginning and see Elijah had set a series of tests that Elijah, Elisha was sitting and passing. And he didn't even know that he was sitting and passing the test. Verse 1. Verse 1, it says that, and it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha to Gilgal. Someone say Gilgal. And um, then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. Someone say stay here. Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And, but Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as thy soul lives, I will not leave you. So he went down to Bethel. Amen. So he passed the first test of Gilgal. Then they went to Bethel. Bethel also is a test. Now the sons of the prophet who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said, do you not know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? And he said, yes, I know, keep your silence. Then Elisha said to him, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as thy soul lives, I will not leave you. So he went, so they came to Jericho. Jericho is also a test. So the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said, do you not know that your Lord is going to be, the Lord is taking your master away from you? And he said, listen, I know, keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two went on. Hallelujah. Then the 50 sons of the prophets went and stood facing them at a distance while the two stood by Jordan. Now, Elisha, you know those 50 sons? I'm going to talk about the 50 sons. Somebody remind me to talk about the 50 sons. Sons of the prophet. Now Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the waters and he divided it this way and that way. So they crossed them. So the two of them crossed over on the dry ground. Verse 9. So it came that he asked, ask what you want me to do before I am taken. Hallelujah. So you see that there were a series of tests. Let's look at these tests. Gilgal, someone say Gilgal. Gilgal. 
What happens at Gilgal? Does anybody know? Gilgal. But before I even go there, verse 1, go back to verse 1. Before I go there, the first test, as far as I'm concerned, with this particular um, passage we've read, and it came to pass when the Lord would take Elijah from into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Amen. And um, he said to him, stay. Somebody say stay. Persisting to pass the test of staying. First test is to stay. How many know that it's not, it's not easy to stay? If you have a fidgety type of uh, lifestyle, you can't sit in one place. A lot of us cannot stay. Jesus told his disciples to stay. You read it, Luke chapter uh, 24, verse 49, isn't it? He said, stay in Jerusalem. Stay. If you cannot stay, you cannot get the anointing. Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. I, feel, I really feel like walking. At the same time, I feel like standing. <laughs> Proverbs 23. It says that, verse 30, those who stay are the wine. They are the ones who get anointed. The word to stay is the same word to linger. So it says that those who linger Long at the wine. They are the ones who get anointed. You know, as a church, when we said we are going to stay from Monday through to Friday, it cut more than 60% of the church was cut off. So 60% of the church failed that test. Remember, I said it's a hard thing to get the anointing. Because for you to catch the anointing, you have to pass the test of staying. Staying long at the word. Staying long in prayer. Staying long under the preaching. People can watch video, Netflix the whole day, and it will not be a problem. The one day, they'll spend the whole day to watch a series, 24, or Prison Break. And they will start from series one to, what was the other one that we watched in America? No, the one with the, 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 the studio, the guys who R&B studio. Empire, that's it. Some people stayed the whole day watching Empire. Then there was one about the church. Greenleaf. Yeah. See? Hours. Hours. And it's not a problem. But you bring them to church. 
and let them stay. Somebody called me. Are you mad? How do you keep people from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m.? How do you do it? One of the bishops that came said, show me the trick that you used to keep people in the church from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. It doesn't make sense. It is crazy because we, we are not used to it. But to get the anointing, you've got to stay long. If you don't stay long at the wine, you will not be drunk. Those who come to the beer bar for two minutes and go, they never get drunk. No, no, you cannot tell me that you are drunk just for staying in the, in the beer, beer pub for, for, for ten minutes. You never get drunk. You can drive home. You can walk home. But the ones who stay, you know, in South Africa we have taverns. When we say a tavern, a shabim. Yeah. They, they, you buy your drink like this. You put it in the, in your, you cover it in a brown paper. You buy a drink like this. You buy, you buy it like this. You cover it like this. Then you put it here. And then they go into the shabim. It's just an open room like this. No chair, nothing. You sit on the floor. Sometimes you have bench. This. The music is there. Playing through. Uh, the house. Then you sit there. You see somebody has been there for three days. And then you see the drink. When it finishes, they walk away to go and buy some more. Then they come back to come and sit in the whole place, in the same place. Sometimes some people can be there like two weeks. Two weeks, they are dead. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's open 24-7. Nobody closes it. The music is playing throughout the, the whole day, the whole night. It's there for like two weeks. It's there. And then people are sat there drinking. You drink and drink and drink and drink and drink and drink. Because they want to get more drunk than they've ever gotten before. And to do that, you have to drink more than you've ever drunk before. And to drink more than you've ever drunk before, you have to take your time. You have to stay and drink and drink. You see, the proper crackheads, the proper drug addicts, they are not the ones that will just take one line and then they go away. Those are just children. They are not, they're just... <laughs> they are just little children trying to experiment. But the real, the real crack people, they are, they are like that. They have been there for two weeks. The same jogging bottoms they've been wearing for two weeks. Sometimes you see the wee-wee on themselves and they are sitting there. 
You have never been to a crack house before, have you? <laughs> one day I'll take you. I'll take you there. There's one just across here. I'll take you there. They are, they've been there for weeks. They stay, they live there. And nobody will come to sack you. Nobody will sack you. Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search for mixed wine, read on, read on quickly. Oh, finish that one. I didn't finish that one. Those who search for mixed wine, is that the end of the verse? Go, those who go in search of mixed wine, they say, those in the same, verse 31, quickly, do not look at the wine when it is red, when it sparkles at the cup, when it swells within, around smoothly. At the, same, at the last, it bites like a serpent and it stinks like a viper. I don't think you have drunk to feel that your something is biting you, and stinging you. Verse 33. Your eyes will begin to see strange things. And your heart will utter perverse things. There's a drink where I come from. And they call it, I'm not going to tell you the name. But it, 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 is, it is, you drink to go and tell your, your mother-in-law what is on your heart. That's the, that is the, you know, you know they, they all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> when I read this verse, that's what I remember. He said, you drink that one, it gives you false courage to go and tell your mother-in-law off. Tell your mother-in-law the nonsense that she has been doing that you haven't been able to tell her. Now you have, re- you have re- drank something that has given you some power. It gives you power to go and tell, confront your mother-in-law. Yes, you'll be like one who lies in the midst of the sea. Like you are floating in the air. See, this doesn't happen to those who drink casually. This doesn't happen to people who are just drinking like oh, one glass and going home. No, 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 no. You have to drink at a certain level. My friend, my friend's brother, he drank himself to death. This guy will wake up in the morning and drink a glass of water and he gets drunk. His whole blood had become, uh, they, they, call, they call it, it, it had been, there's a word, there's a technical word for his, 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 it had become oxidized. His blood had become oxidized with alcohol. So when he drinks any liquid that comes into him, it tends to alcohol. Yeah, my friend's brother, his older brother. He drank himself to death. Just water, glass of water in the morning, he gets drunk. Because he drinks heavy. Don't judge a wine by its label. 
This is white wine. This is red wine. No. The ampl- give us the amplified. Give us the amplified. The message, sorry. But it is the power of the hangover it gives you. Go, go back to 32. Judge it. No, go to 30. Let's start from 30. Don't judge wine. Those who spend the night with a bottle for whom drinking is serious business. Remember the Bible says that the wine, the wine is the spirit, isn't it? Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The wine in the Bible, it, it's, it connotes the spirit. So what we are reading, don't think about wine. Think about the Holy Spirit. For the people that acquiring the anointing is a serious business. They are the ones who get the anointing. That is why Elijah was saying to Elijah, you've asked for a hard thing. It is not for, for children. This is not the thing that you give to babies. It's not a joke. It's not, it's not just a child's play. Don't judge wine by its label or its bouquet or its full-bodied flavor. No. But judge it rather by the hangover it leaves you. The headache that you will get. The, on, the queasy stomach. Don't, don't judge. Don't judge. Do not. Do you really prefer seeing double with your speech sled? See, when you're anointed, you see. You see the person. But you see the spirit behind the person. That's double. When you are really anointed, you see the person, you see what is controlling the person. (laughs) Reeling and seasick, drunk as a sailor. They hit me, you will say, but it didn't hurt. That is why I was saying to you when the sister fell and she was saying she was okay, I was saying to you that she's check her again. Because when you are anointed, you have the same symptoms as a drunk person. You fall and hit your head on the ground. You say, I'm okay. I told her after the break, I said, go and check. When she went to remove her jumper, she, she had bruises. But she didn't feel it there. Because the anointing, when it comes on you, you don't feel certain things. I don't feel it. Sometimes, I've had running stomach. But as soon as I come and stand here, it goes. It's gone. But as soon as you finish. <laughs> Let's read on. We haven't finished. Let's go back. <laughs> They hit me, you say. It didn't hurt. Continue. They beat on me, but I didn't feel a thing. When I am sober enough to manage it, I will go and find some more. Bring me another bottle. 
Another thing that shows that you are anointed is when you cannot be satisfied. When you start chasing the anointing, chasing. Because drunk, drunkards are never satisfied. People who are really ha- caught on drugs, no amount of drugs you give them will satisfy them. They always want more. <laughs> hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. Are you learning something? So he was saying that you need to persist. You need to persist. Staying is difficult. Hallelujah. Staying is difficult. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29, it says that he gives power to the weak. And those who have no might, he increases strength. He will increase strength when you stay. Verse 30 says that even the youth will faint and they be weary and the young men shall utterly fall but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength hallelujah they shall mount up with wings as eagles and they shall run and not be weary they shall walk and not faint see when you drink and you are drunk the human feelings are cut off you understand? You feel like a superman when you're drunk. That is how come someone says, I'm going to talk to my mother-in-law. Tell her off. The English call it the Dutch courage. You get a Dutch courage to go and speak because you are high on something. <laughs> Hallelujah. What you couldn't say, now you can say. What you couldn't feel, now you are feeling you feel strong. Have you not seen a drunk man and say that you feel like all of you come, I'll beat all of you. Meanwhile, if you push him, you fall right down. He'll be there and say that, wait, when I get up, you'll see. Meanwhile, he can't even get up to fight. Hallelujah. We said, let us stay in the presence of God from morning to night. He ruled that more than 60% of the church. Because the anointing is a hard thing to come by. Anointing is difficult. Not everybody wants the anointing. Not everybody can stay. Because everybody will be happy if they got the anointing. But the price to pay. Not all of us want to pay it. That's why this evening, not everybody will come. 80% have been if I call for a meeting at midnight, <laughs> only 5%. Yeah. That is why Jesus selected three out of the 12. He took the 12 out of the thousands to, to teach. And out of the 12, he took three to go on the mountain because not everybody can climb the mountain. To climb the mountain, you need persistence and perseverance because it is tiring climbing the mountain. You start with a t-shirt. By the time you get up there, you will need a jacket. Yes, a lot of the people will be complaining and memory. And so he will not take them. So when they say, Pastor 
Ça, même pas à glace, il y a complaisance. C'est it's, it's OK. Those who want to come will come. Those who don't want to come, it was not meant for them. Because the anointing needs a price paying for. Are you with me? Yeah. Sometimes you need to go on a retreat by yourself for days to go and wait on God. That is the price for the anointing. It just doesn't come. So he says to Elisha, stay. That's the first thing. Stay. Stay here. In this microwave generation age, every message you can find on the internet. So people just will download somebody's. Somebody ask me, give me your notes so I'll go and preach in my church. Yes, and I gave it to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My series, I mean, give me the series that you have taught, all of it. The pastor asked, I gave it to him. Because in this day and age, people don't want to pay the price for. Because, see, to sit down and search the scriptures to get the message to preach, it's difficult. To Google a message to preach, two seconds, you get somebody's message. You don't have to understand the message. And in this day and age, we don't have time. So we are now on the go. God, just anoint us as we are going. But the anointing doesn't come like that. You've got to pass the thing of stay. Have to pass the test. So they went to the next place called Bethel. Someone say Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. El Bethel. Bethel in the in the Hebrew stands for uh, house. L stands for God. El. So when you see Bethel, it means El Bethel, the house of God. Remember in Genesis chapter twenty-eight. It was a place where Jacob was alone. In Bethel, you have to pass the test of being separated, being alone. A lot of us, we cannot pray by ourselves alone. We cannot worship by ourselves alone. We cannot read the word of God by ourselves alone. We cannot hear God speaking to us by ourselves alone. Every time we want somebody, we want to, we can only listen to the, the, the word of God in the congregation. We can only pray when there's a congregation. We can only worship when there's a congregation, there's a band. We can only worship, we can only sit when there are others. But in battle, Jacob was alone. Can you pass the test of being alone in the presence of God? Or do you have to be? And you see, when I say alone, I'm not talking about you stay alone for just like five minutes. No. I'm talking about staying. These days, that particular uh, state phrase has 
left the church. We used to, we are going, we are going to, we are going on waiting. That's what we used to say, we are going on waiting. It means we are going on retreat. And sometimes when you go, I mean, those who really want anointing, when they go, they don't have a coming back date. Until he speaks to me, I'm not coming. And I don't know, I don't know when he's going to speak to me. He can speak to me on the first day. He can speak to me at the end of the first week. He can speak to me at the end of the second week. I don't know, but I'm waiting. So when they say waiting, they are sitting like the way Michael is sitting. They are sometimes praying, sometimes worshiping, sometimes reading, but they are alone in the place, in the room, in, by themselves. That's better. Can you pass the test of better? Can you pass the test where you stay by yourself in the presence of God? Forget about work. Forget about everything. See, an anointing, the thing that you must understand about the anointing is that when the anointing comes, the little you do is increased. In fact, I'd rather get anointing for the work than to work hard. Because the anointing multiplies the work you are doing. Are <laughs> you getting what I'm saying? So let's say your effort can do 10. When the anointing comes, it amplifies. It multiplies it by 100. Am I making sense? That is why Jesus said to them that you should not leave Jerusalem. Because if you go to go and be a witness, you will do some, something, but you will not do as much. But when the anointing comes over you, and you go and stand to preach in my name. One day, 3,000 souls will be saved. And many more lives will be touched because you are anointed. A lot of people don't like, they don't pass the test of being there. I've had pastors who are, people who are in the church, who are under training. They went for a, a, a convention somewhere in another church, and they told them that, listen, you are anointed. God has anointed you. You are going to be a great prophet. The next day they came to my office. Say, Pastor, when are you going to appoint me as a pastor? I said, hey. <laughs> what are you talking about? Anyway, let's go. You'll see that one. We'll come to that test next. So, there's... It, it, the battle test is what we are talking about, isn't it? How many are passing the battle test? Yeah. It's a test where you are, you are going to be tried. You are going to be tried because you have to stay by yourself. Battle also means separation from sin and fellowship with God. Hallelujah. It is a place of solitude, intimacy with God. See, God will not give you a certain level of anointing if he cannot be intimate with you. Amen? Intimacy brings anointing. Somebody say intimacy brings anointing. How many know that intimacy is not had in public? 
You cannot be intimate with uh, your wife in public. Isn't that true? You need to be separated. That is, that is what I'm talking about. So from there, they go to Jericho. Someone say Jericho. Jericho. Now, Jericho is interesting. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says that, and Jericho was straightly shut up. Go, give me the, oh, I like the King James. And Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Jericho is a place of lockdown. Jericho is a place of hardship. Jericho is a place where your finances are strictly locked down. It's a place where you are not getting money. It's a place where your business has run dry. It's a place where your customers have stopped coming. It's a place where your friends have turned their backs on you. It's a place of hardship. It's a place where the walls are very tall and very wide, but it is locked. So you can't assess what you are looking for. What do you do when you cannot access what you want? The friends you have don't have time for you anymore. Can you pass that test? You know that there are some friends, when they hear that you have become a Christian, they, 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 they turn their backs on you. Sometimes your own family members, when they know that you have now become a, a serious Christian, they don't want to know. I had to pass that test. I come from a family that are very, very close. We do everything together. Everything. We have birthdays together, Christmas together, Easter together, everything. When I became serious, I had to pass this test because I don't think I've ever gone to any of my nephews and nieces. They are adoring. They are all those type of things. Baby dedication. No, not, not even one. You will be excluded from the family. You will be excluded from the society. You will be excluded from the friends. But it's a test that you need to pass. Somebody says it's a test. And I'll pass it. If you want to be anointed, you will have to pass the Jericho test. When everything's closed. You have been believing God for a job and you are not getting a job. The job has been shut up. But you have to persist in your love for God. Don't say that because the blessing has not come. I give up. Find something. Compromise. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm trying to say? Sometimes hardship will drive you into compromise. Hardship has a way of driving you to do things that otherwise you wouldn't have done. Jericho is a place of hardship. Hallelujah. It's a place where you have to wrestle 
with God. In Jericho, Jacob fought an angel, a God man, wrestled with him until his name was changed. It's a place where you need to be intense. A place where you need to either God comes through or that's it. Hallelujah. Amen. From Jericho, they go to Jordan. Somebody say Jordan. Jordan. Now, Jordan is a place where you are initially unveiled. But even in the Jordan, there are seven tests you need to pass. Seven separate tests in the Jordan that you need to pass. Jordan is a place where you encounter your man of God. Matthew chapter 3 verse 13 then Jesus came to Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized of him or by him and John tried to prevent him saying I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me but Jesus answered and said permit it to be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness then he allowed him and he was baptized he had been baptized Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him and, the, and suddenly the voice came to him saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am pleased. Hallelujah. Yes. So the first test is to identify your man of God. In this day and age where we have so many voices talking, so many favorite preachers, so many fathers in our ears, how do you identify your man of God? Jesus was a son of God. Jesus had a mission. Jesus had been set apart by God. But Jesus also had to submit to a man. You can never be anointed unless you have a man. One of the first things you'll be asked once you move to go and operate in the anointing, who is your father? Because a vagabond spirit is not anointed. First question you'll be asked, who is your father? On whose hands did you pour water? Who have you served? Because anointing is given to 
servants and sons. When a servant serves well, he becomes a son. Isn't it? In John 15, 16, it says that you have not you have not chosen me, I have chosen you and I have anointed you. And then it goes on to say, no longer do I call you servants, but now I call you what? I call you friends. I call you friends. Friends is a higher level of a relationship. So you move from servant to a son and from a son to a friend. So the anointing is passed on to servants and then it's passed on to sons and then it's passed on to friends. Is it, I think 20 something, 20, is it? 15, 15. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I call you friends. For all things that I have heard from the Father, I have made it known to you. Verse 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Hallelujah. So you see, the first test is identifying who your man of God is. A lot of people like the man of God who is very far, who has nothing to do with them. Benihin is my father. But he doesn't know you. A father is somebody who can say, stop it, and you stop. Sit down, and you sit down. Stand, and you stand. You wanted to stand, he says, sit. You wanted to sit there. I say, come and sit here. Do you understand what I'm saying? If there is anybody, if you don't have anybody in your life who can say, move from there, come and sit here, then you are not a son. A lot of people, including pastors, they don't have anybody who can say, stop, move from there, come and sit here. That's a vagabond spirit. A lot to your own self. Nobody can correct you. Nobody can say anything to you. Nobody can, can change anything about you. You cannot be anointed. Even Jesus, he had to. The second test is submission. After identifying your man of God, the second test you need to pass is to submit. See, when, when Jesus came, he said, baptize me. I've come to submit to you. And John said, no, 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 no. Don't try this. I'm not the one who is supposed to, to, to baptize. You have to baptize me because your shoe I cannot even untie. And Jesus said, no, no, suffer it. To fulfill all righteousness, suffer it to be so. Let you anoint me. Let me submit to you. Even though I am God on earth, I need to submit to you because that is the proper way. Who do you submit to? And when the guy came, I told him, now listen. David was anointed when he was 17. But he didn't rise and make himself a king. He had to submit to a crazy a crazy backslidden king. 
till he was 30. You can never be anointed if you don't submit. That's a test. Who do you submit to? As for me, I submit only to God. You don't know what you are talking about. You don't know what you are talking about. Check the Bible. Every prophet had somebody submitted to. Even Moses submitted to Jethro. Jethro told Moses, stop the nonsense. Stop being a one-man band. Get people to help you. And what did Moses do? He went and called people. It wasn't God who told him to do it. His spiritual authority told him, change something. And he changed it. Can anybody come to you and say, change something, you change it? See, a lot of people don't understand spiritual things. You can be more anointed than your father, but you can never be your father. When you become a father, your father is a grandfather. <laughs> it's not the same. I'll tell you a story because it's just you. When, you know that my, my son who came here with his church members the last time, when the day he told everybody that this is my spiritual father, this is the one who tells me sit down and I sit down. That was the end of his, the problems he was having, the challenges he was having in his church. Because as he was trying to do the church, he was very zealous of doing no father, no father, no father figure behind him. So anything he did, they were challenged. Because it's a spiritual thing. Some people will challenge you who don't know. They are not spiritual. They don't even understand anything. But they just, Satan will use them. Because you don't have a spiritual father. But the day he, he said that this is my father. If you have any problem with me, report to him. That was the day his problems finished. You can be more anointed than your father. But your father is still your father. Are you not going to be richer than your father? Most people are richer than their own fathers at a certain age. Sometimes. <laughs> Give or take. But the fact that you give your father chop money. We know bread. <laughs> There's somebody in my house that wins bread for us to eat. <laughs> the day they'll buy food for us to eat, that day we all have to submit to them. <laughs> we have to come under their authority. Because they are the ones who have won our bread that we are eating. <laughs> So they have a special name, winner of bread. You know, we have bread winners. <laughs> then we have the winner of the bread. <laughs> but you have to learn to pass the test of submission. 
If you want to be anointed, you have to pass the test. It's not easy to be humble, especially when God lifts you up. The reason why those 51, that's 50 sons of the prophets, could not receive the anointing because, because they could not submit to Elijah. Listen to what they said. Do you not know that the Lord will take your master? Not our master. Your master away from you. You are the one who is following him. As far as we are graduated, we just came. We are already prophets, masters. Are you getting it? Be able to point and say that this is my father. Even if he's a drunkard, he's my father. When I go to my spiritual father's church, anytime I read there, he gives me the microphone. As soon as I get there, he gives me the microphone. When you go to his church, you will see me there. Everything that is happening in the church, I am inside. The chairs they are sitting on, I provided the chairs. The music they are playing, I provided it. Yeah. I say, what do you need? Let me provide it. I don't say that I need to have come to I'm anointed. <laughs> I have arrived. I have church. Anoint and no, 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 no. He calls me, I put my hand behind my back. I because when I was a little boy, he was the one who laid his hands on me and prayed for me. I am more experienced now in ministry and I've done a lot of things. But that doesn't change the fact that he is my father. Are you getting it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have been exposed to a lot of things that he is probably not exposed to. I don't change the fact. When I got there, I made you all come there, isn't it? To here. Come, that's my father. You see him. Paul says that you have many instructors, but you don't have many fathers. So there are a few people that will give. You have to identify them and submit to them. Number, how many? What's the number test? We are in Jordan test. So submit, go to your man of God, submit to your man of God, humble yourself in the kingdom, humble yourself in the kingdom. Luke chapter 3 verse 21, when Jesus came to him, he humbled himself and joined the ranks. He didn't say that, treat me special. He, he stayed in the queue. He stayed in the queue. That's Luke, Luke uh, 3 21, he stayed in the queue. As people were coming to, to, to queue to be baptized, he also came and stayed in the queue to be prayed for. Number four, 
But John forbade him, saying, I have need that you baptize me. Why do you come to me? He says, no, you baptize me. The test of completing all formality, necessary formalities. This brother could not wait to complete the formality. As I said to him, wait. He could not wait, so he took off. And he went to start his church. That was the biggest mistake he made. He should have stayed to complete the formalities. He would have gone. I didn't have any intention of keeping him. He would have gone. But he couldn't wait. So he went without being sent. And it hasn't been easy for him. Those who waited and were sent have had it easier than those who could not wait and left. How many tests have you got? Are you learning something? Number five, understand the timings of God. Matthew 3, 15. Understanding the timings is that Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. Somebody say now. At this particular moment, the timing is that I need to be submitted to you. So understand spiritual timing. Amen. Amen. Number number six, prayer and spirituality. Understand prayer and spirituality. My time is gone. I'm just trying to rush to finish. So go to your man of God. Submit to him. Humble yourself. Sorry? No, do not be led by men. Is number four. Number five, complete all formalities. Number six, understand the timings of God. And number seven, prayer and spirituality. Remember that when they said everyone came to be baptized, it was only Jesus that he was praying, isn't it? And he praying. Everybody went through the ritual. But Jesus understood that he needed to be prayerful to receive the spirit. The spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. So, how many are going to persevere until the anointing comes? The anointing doesn't come just easily. Are you with me? So, I, I pray that the next time we are having a, a, a camp meeting, you pass the test. No, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't do anything because somebody will tell you off. Do it because you have an understanding. Are you with me? Do it 
Never ever do anything under duress in the house of God. Do it with understanding. Otherwise, you won't be blessed. If you do it because of fear, you will never be blessed. But if you do it with understanding, then you will get. Go to the house of God because you have an appointment with God. So that when you go and pastor is not there and someone else is preaching, see the person as God preaching to you. Do you understand? But if you go there as his pastor and you go and saw pastor, there are some people who come to church when pastor is away, they go home. I pray that it will not be your story. <laughs> 